It seems to be a fact that the people of God are always a people on pilgrimage, on journey. Uh, you think back to God beginning to create a people for God's self, and, and, and he calls Abram at the time, later to be Abraham, and he says, rise and go, right, to the land I will show you. And so then you think of the people of Israel as Abraham moves around and people of Israel begin to become a nation. They're constantly moving and, and, and end up in Egypt where they end up for 400 years and are finally enslaved. And so you think about them and now we're going to talk about their journey today. And then Jesus tells us in his, the text that was read this morning, he says, go to the ends of the earth. We're always on movement as God's people. If we become static, it seems somehow... We lose that power of what it means to be God's people. So day spring, we're going on a journey again. You guys have consistently done that. At one time, day spring was referred to as the church on wheels or something, wasn't it, Chuck? Because you moved around so much in the early days of Del Mar. And so this is not a new sensation for you, but it might feel new. And today is new in many ways. And so, and so we, we want, want to think about the people of God being a people of pilgrimage. You know, you if you look at the Exodus, as we have here, uh, and, and think about that whole story, the Israelites start out pretty slow. If you remember, uh, Moses comes down and says to them, Hey, God has told me that you shouldn't be slaves anymore. It may not, I may not be quoting word for word here, by the way. This may not be verbatim. But, but, but God said you're not going to be slaves anymore, and God's going to deliver you out. And he goes to Pharaoh and says that famous words, let my people go. Again, may not be verbatim, but let my people go. And so Pharaoh says, well, sure, Moses, no problem. No, no, maybe that's not how the story goes. So Pharaoh says, I tell you what, you people need to keep making bricks. So we're going to make it a little different for you since you think you should be free. We're not going to give you straw to make bricks anymore. You have to now gather your own bricks. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Leave, leave us alone. alone. And that, that is verbatim, I believe. Uh, leave, leave us alone. Go away, Moses. You're just causing trouble. You're making our life harder for us. And so the Israelites start out on this wonderful journey to freedom, really unhappy. And you know, it goes on, and pretty soon Moses is having to perform plagues, or God sending plagues, and Moses is the arm with which it's happening, and, and they keep going on, and there's plagues, and Pharaoh kind of softens up a little bit, and then he hardens up again, and Moses keeps saying, let my people go, and God says, let my people go, and, and, and so finally the Passover comes when the firstborn of all the, children, all the people of Israel begin to die, and, and Pharaoh says, okay, that's enough. You guys, not only get out of here, you get out of here now. And literally hundreds of thousands of people started on a march. And so they come to the Red Sea. We're free, right? The freedom stuff is really good, by the way. And so they come to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, they can't get across. And they look behind them. And Pharaoh has changed his mind because Pharaoh is saying, wait a second, who's going to do all this work we've been doing now that the Israelites have moved on? We've lost hundreds of thousands of people to do our work. Uh, let's think of that again. Let's go get them. And, and so, so Pharaoh, Pharaoh goes out and begins to say, we're going to get them. He sends his people out there. And the people are against the Red Sea. They chose that way to go. Uh, they're against the Red Sea with Pharaoh behind them, coming with his troops. And, and they're saying, oh, this freedom stuff. Uh, Moses, we don't like you anymore again. And it says, they said, was it because there are no graves that you brought us out to the desert to die? Were there no graves in Egypt? 
What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you, Egypt, in Egypt, leave us alone? And that is verbatim. Let us serve the Egyptians. We would rather be slaves than be free and be in danger. Wouldn't it have been better to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert? And so Moses says, not a problem. Stand firm. See the deliverance of the Lord. I've talked to God, and it's going to be okay. The Lord's going to fight for you. And then, then we... Lord, Lord tells, tells Moses, Moses, you go out there and you stand on a rock and you raise your staff and you stretch out your hand and we're going to cross over. You know that dramatic scene. You can see Charlton Heston now, can you not? That dramatic scene up there and an east wind, we're told, blows and it blows the water away and the children of Israel go by on dry ground and then the troops start, of Pharaoh start coming in and the waters close and it's just a great victory. It's a dramatic scene, obviously. And then, and then we, we get, get, if you, you haven't read this, this, you have to go and read this. The Song of Moses and Miriam. What a great scene. The people are celebrating. Moses sings a song and Miriam sings a song. And it's, you know, the Lord our God. You know that song, right? Gail, sing it. No, no. Okay. Uh, I, I won't sing for you, even on my last day here. I, I, I promise you I wouldn't do that to you. So this great victory. We've crossed the Red Sea. We're singing songs of joy. The, 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 the Egyptians have been basically destroyed. And so what a great thing. This will empower us to move into freedom. And then three days later, they don't have any water. And they say, Moses, what a horrible man you are to bring us out here. We don't have any water. And they find some water, but it's bitter. You know, it's like our joke in our house is Gail won't drink Dasani water. She has to have French water if we're going to go to bottled water, right? I don't remember the name of it. Gail says, what are you doing to me? But, 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 but she won't drink the sunny water, right? Well, that's the way the children of Israel are. This is bitter water. You know, we want some real good spring water. And the people are grumbling against Moses. So God tells Moses, you take that piece of wood over there. I always wonder if it's sassafras or something. And you throw it in the water, and the water becomes sweet. And so they get some water, and then they keep moving on. And it says that then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, which is interesting, the detail of that, is it not? And, and I get a feeling like it's just a few days later, now they're, they're here at this wonderful spring, and I feel like there are a bunch of kids who said, are we there yet? Right, in the back seat, when you're only gone a mile or two, and you're only going to go another mile or two, are we there yet? Well, that's kind of where the children of Israel are. They're kind of saying, are we there yet? And again, we see God at work through Moses. So, God has gotten through the sea. God has given them water at least twice, and everything is good. But they get to the desert of sin. That's what it's called, the desert of sin. And they begin to grumble against Moses and Aaron. And they say words like this, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we set around pots of meat, and I'm sure the finest cuts, and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this assembly to death. Moses and Aaron, you're bad people. And so Moses goes to God, and what does God do? Well, of course, he provides, God provides manna and quail. God's grace and provision is seen again. Now we've got it. We've got it. We're on a journey. Life is good. God's going to take care of us. Everything is good. And then, and then we, we get, get to, to chapter, chapter 17, 17 which we're, uh, and, and, and what happens there? Well, we don't have water again. What are we going to do? And, and where would we get water? My goodness, how would you get water? It isn't like we've seen God provide water before, is it? Uh, our food for us? 
Uh, so how are we going to get water? Give us water to drink. And, and, and they start to quarrel with Moses. And, and, and they say to Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst. Moses says to God, God, these people are going to kill me. He actually says they're going to stone me. These people are going to kill me. You've got to do something. So Moses is kind of getting into this complaining mode himself. And so God tells, of course, Moses, you take the staff, you strike the water, uh, you, you strike, strike the rock, rock and water's water going to come out. And sure enough, they get water, which brings us to today's passage, right? Today's passage here in chapter 17 of Exodus. And it's an obvious passage, is it not? For the first time now, the Israelites are being attacked. This is the first battle they're going to have to fight. In a series of a lot of battles, they're going to have to fight on their way to the promised land. And if you didn't get this, uh, I don't know what to say to you. They hold up their hands and they win and he has helpers to hold his hands up like maybe they're a church where you need people to assist a new pastor who's come in and maybe could use some help having your hands hold up. We could be supportive of her. You know, we like British mysteries in our house a lot, it seems like. Uh, and, you know, my family is laughing because maybe I don't like them as much as others, but we like them a lot. Um, but, you know, there's a balance in this mystery story, is there not? If they're too easy, where in the first five minutes you know who did it, it's no fun to watch. Also, if it's so off the wall at the end that you get a character coming in in the last five minutes and somehow they did it and we've never seen this character before, that doesn't feel good. You want something that's just a little bit enticing, but you can kind of figure it out maybe and you have to wait to the end to see if you're right or not. This, this is the first of many battles that they're going to fight. It is obvious what the message is here today. I should probably sit down right now and let you all finish it for yourself, but I'm going to go to the end. Okay? This is the first appearance of Joshua. We're going into battle, and we have Moses say, get this guy Joshua. Now, I remember two weeks ago, and I know all of you remember. Two weeks ago, we talked about Joshua and how Joshua had been prepared to take the role as the leader of the children of Israel. This is his early preparation. He's already been singled out as someone with talent and ability, and so he's going to choose the warriors, and he's going to go out and fight. And Moses and Aaron and Ur go up to the top of the hill. We're to understand that in any battle, the high ground confers an advantage in battle, right? You always want the high ground. You've seen enough movies to know that you always want the high ground. The bad guy, the good guy, whoever gets the high ground has the advantage. It doesn't matter. And so Moses goes to the high ground with Aaron and Hur. As long as his hands are up, they're winning. When they, they go, go down, down, they are not. And, and so, so they, they help Moses keep his hands up. Moses is in his 80s now. And so, so I'm sure spending all day up there, and it wasn't all day of battle, uh, his hands grow tired. And so Aaron and Hur help him. The chaplains in the army actually have an award they call the Aaron and Hur Award. It's given to civilians and non-branch military who have helped the chaplains do their work, who have been supported. This is where this comes from. The, the idea, idea that, that it takes assistance to accomplish a job. And so we see Moses, we hear that his hands are up. We're supposed to understand here that the hands somehow being up in a mode of prayer invoke the power of Yahweh for the fighters, for the children of Israel. And we're told that, the, we're not told, but we get the feeling that the children of Israel, as they are out there battling, they see Moses' hands up. And as long as Moses' hands up, they are encouraged. We're going forward. Somehow there's, there's an encouragement here. They do things. To, Moses is doing things, and Aaron and her are doing things to encourage their warriors. 
His staff is there. His hands are up. And we see God's power at work. We are to understand that Moses is talking with God and praying on behalf of the people. And by that, we're seeing the divine powers of God move into human affairs. At this point, it's kind of the bad British mystery form. It's obvious what we're saying here today, is it not? What this passage would say to us. We are entering into a partnership with our new pastor, with Andrea. And as Andrea leads, leads Dayspring, she will need people to help her hold her hands up, to be intercessories with her, to help her bring God's power and God's presence into this place. You need this kind of help, but you need other kind of help. In chapter 18, which we won't go into, uh, uh, Jethro, that's Moses' father-in-law, and you know, father-in-laws always have good advice for their son-in-laws. And so, uh, yeah, we got that right. And so Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, says up, and he watches Moses, and now the battle's over, they've won. And Moses is spending his entire day like a judge. People are coming and saying, well, my friend didn't treat me well, and I gave him $2, and they only gave me a dollar fifty back. I think I should get the other 50 and I think I should get it now, right? So those are the kind of things, it's just some really important things Moses is dealing with. And Jethro's watching, and he's saying, Moses, you're being worn out. You're supposed to be the leader, and you have no energy. So Moses, why don't you appoint some people to be judges? And some point some people to take care of these things and divide the people up so they can, one, get their answers really quickly, and two, you're only dealing with the big things. Sometimes, we're going to need to delegate. Now, we want to be well-trained when we delegate. We want to learn. But we all take a share in this. So, the message today is obvious. We have to join with Andrea as our leader in this work. Side by side, holding up our hands, doing the work of the delegation. Whatever needs to be done, it is our job to do that. It's like, like a, a bad, bad British, British mystery, mystery, right? You had that an hour ago, or 30 minutes ago, or 10 minutes ago, whenever I started this sermon. May feel like an hour, I understand that. But you know, there's more than that here. The people had seen God and Moses deliver them through miracle after miracle. But now the greater miracle occurs in the battle against the Amaleks. And that is the infusion of faith into the people themselves. When they get to this battle, there's no arguing here. There's no attacking Moses here because you brought us out here and we're going to have a battle. Somehow, they come together, they get organized, and they fight. This is a redemptive experience, a redemptive event for the children of Israel. The ancient saying is, the greatest miracle of God is the faith of Israel. Not all those other things, it's that Israel came to faith. Getting people to come to faith, to work together with each other. It is a partnership between the leader and the people that's needed. And in this miracle of people and leader coming together, community is formed. And here's the important part. There's a third partner in this work. It is in community that God partners with God's people to bring God's presence, even God's power, into this place. My professor in seminary, Frank Stagg, said, the Bible knows nothing of a Lone Ranger Christian. You can go out and worship in the woods all by yourself, but you won't. It is in community that we live faith. It is in community that we find God at work. The idea that people, by their intercession, can protect and inspire others in times of need is a central point of the religious experience. In community, 
We see the partnership that is effective in changing the world, or at least our part of it. Leader and people serving together as community, sometimes holding up each other's arms, sometimes doing the work in administration together. In that setting, God becomes our partner in this work. We become God's partner in living into the calling that Jesus gave us. It is a partnership of three. It's a conglomerate. Jesus says to us in Matthew 28, go. In Acts 1, around the world you'll be my witnesses. As certain as the children of Israel had a calling, so do we. And it is in community together and partnership with God that we can live into that. Somehow, in our coming together as partners with our new pastor, with each other, God's presence and power is invoked. May Dayspring continue to experience the miracle of faith that leads to the miracle of community that results in God at work in this very place. Amen.